Well, I'm tired and weary. I must go along till the Lord comes and calls me away. Where the morning is bright, the lamb is alive, the night is as a sea. Master, we are so grateful to know you and to know that you are with us today. We ask now, God, for your guidance throughout this memorial service. Let your very presence be with us. God, I pray a special comfort for the family that is here today as we come to the closing in our memorial and remembering a great man of God. We ask your direction in everything that is done, for we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. I would like to take just a moment and say thank you to all of you who have come today on behalf of the family. As a nephew, I can speak for the family we're so glad that you have come to honor this great man. To uh, all of you who have given flowers or other memorials, thank you. I know there are business leaders and political people who 
are here today who have been a part of Uncle Titus's life. And uh, thank you for coming and honoring such a great man and being with us today. We appreciate your attendance. I'd like to, in my remarks, read a passage of scripture that perhaps is not a funeral scripture, but this is not the ordinary man that is here today either. Taken from the book of Second Kings, comes to the time for Elijah to be taken, and Elisha, his servant. The Bible refers to him as the servant who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Said it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and the horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood to the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. I won't elaborate on that. You know the story, most of you, very well. But in crossing, Elijah had used that mantle to part the waters. When he was no longer there, Elisha took up the same mantle and smote the waters from the other side and got the same results. And I know often it is said, well, who's going to take the place of the one that has fallen? And no doubt many have said, well, nobody will ever be able to take the place of Brother Alexander. If Uncle Titus could speak to you today, he would say, son, that's not true. Others can and must take up and carry on. There is a work left to do. My last time of visiting with him before I left, he said, son, keep doing the work of God. Don't ever stop, son. You're doing the right thing, and I'm proud of you, and I want you to keep doing it. You see, this was my dad's younger brother, but he was also my hero. I looked up to this man. I had great confidence in him. I remember just in my years of beginning into my ministry, back in the early 60s, 
I preached for Uncle Titus in Generette. I'll never forget one night the message I preached. I felt so bad about it when it was over. You preachers have had those times, I'm sure, when you felt like. If I could have slipped out the back door without anybody noticing me, I would have. It was horrible. We got home, and Uncle Titus set me down in the living room, and he said, Son, you're feeling pretty bad about what you preached tonight, aren't you? I said, Yes, sir, I'm feeling terrible. He said, Well, let me tell you, it wasn't your message. It wasn't your fault. Well, he was trying to cheer me up, and maybe it wasn't, but I must confess to you, after all of those years, I still have that outline, but I've never tried it again. But he said, son, there was something going on in the service that you don't know about. And he said, I'll deal with it later. So he said, that's why I'm telling you it wasn't your fault. But he said, uh, go on and don't worry about it. Well, well, I'll try, but I still hadn't been able to bring myself to try preaching it again. The last night that I preached, we were getting ready to go to bed, and he brought me a check. And I, I was working, living in Houston at the time. My wife and I both working. And I said, no, Uncle Titus, I, I, I don't want that. I don't need that, you know. And in his way again, he sat me down. He said, sit down, boy. I need to tell you something. He said, you refuse to take this check. You are going to rob this church of a blessing. He said, you're just getting started in your ministry and you're going to preach in a lot of small churches. And I guess that was prophecy because I've sure done a lot of that. But he said, there's going to be times when you're going to look out across and you'll decide they need it worse than you do. But he said, don't ever refuse to take it because that church can never be blessed unless they bless the man of God. He taught me so many things. I could say so much more, but I won't. But I will tell you this. When there was more than once, when there was a crossroad or a crisis time in my life, I called Uncle Titus told him what was going on and he always had a word for me and always was there to encourage me and to believe in me and to help me. I'll always remember that. And Aunt Mabel has just always been a strong tower and she will continue to do so. Such a great, wonderful lady of God. We admire both of them so very much. Reverend Titus Calvin, or as many knew him, T.C. Alexander, was born in Bell, Louisiana on April the 4th, 1917. The last 
years of his life, he made his home in Jennings, Louisiana, where he had pastored the church, First Pentecostal Church, for over 34 and a half years. He passed from this life on October the 5th, 2014. He is survived by his wife, Mabel Giot Pineal Alexander, three sons, Harry and wife Laquita Pineal, Calvin Arlen and wife Kathy Alexander, Jackie Lee and Jesse Alexander, Ronald and Josie Pineal Sr., Charles William with wife Elizabeth Pineal, two daughters, Barbara Thibodeau, Dolores, her husband Jesse Williams. He had 28 grandchildren, 70 great-grandchildren, and 36 great-great-grandchildren. What a legacy. And may I just pause to say, he prayed for every one of you. Probably on a daily basis, he called your name in prayer. If you ever want to know what to do with your life, just look at what Papa left for you, and you'll know what to do. He was proceeding in death by his parents, Calvin and Pensy Alexander, one brother, Elmer Alexander, three sisters, Anna Lee Eddy, Ella Donahue, and Edna Mae Donahue, one daughter, Lois Pinell Furman, two grandchildren, Julius Thibodeau III, John Harry Pinell III, one great-grandchild, Raven Sinclair Pinell. What a great man we have come today to honor, to remember. As far as I can put together, he is the, or was the oldest living Alexander. There may have been one somewhere in the past that lived longer than he did, but I never knew of them. But he lived a life that none of us have to be ashamed of. I walked in a place of business a couple of months ago. The owner walked through and he said, do I know you? And I said, no, sir, you don't. I don't think. He said, who are you? I said, I'm Gordon Alexander. He said, you're T.C. Alexander, boy. I said, no, sir, I'm his nephew. He said, he's a very close friend of mine, a businessman. He had that kind of rapport with people. To the family, let me say, you have such precious memories. Hold them, cherish them. To the children, Arlen and Jackie and Dolores that I was so close to in their younger years, others, follow the footsteps and you'll never be disappointed. May God bless you.
road we walk is stained with blood of those who paid the price for a cause they felt was worth it all the cause of Christ and because of all their sacrifice they made for me a better way and the grass So by faith I'll just keep marching on, ever pressing toward the prize, longing for the day I'll look into my Savior's eyes. Sing redemption. 
Let's just take a moment and give the Lord some praise together. What a moment that's going to be. Praise God. Praise God. I wanted to step up here and give the introduction for our next speaker. For those of you uh, who don't know, uh, this is not Brother Archer that's about to come to the pulpit. Uh, this is Pastor uh, Borrell, and uh, he is a nephew of Sister Alexander. And he served for many years as Brother Alexander's assistant, as a helper in the local church, and I'm sure he'll tell you about that. Um, but Reverend uh, Kevin Archer was not able to be here. Uh, he is very sick, and uh, he does covet your prayers. But today, uh, filling in uh, is Brother Borrell. We're honored to have you. Thank you. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you for the opportunity for um, me to address you in honor of this bishop, uh, Alexander, this morning. As Brother Townley said, I, I had the unique opportunity of knowing Brother Alexander in more than just um, a saint and um, one that watered his hands for 15 years. He was, by marriage, my uncle. But I never was able to call him Uncle Titus. Just never, never did that. It's always Brother Alexander and Aunt Mabel. <laughs> and that's the way my children came up. That's the way my wife addressed them. Um, but um, in the times that we knew him, of course, um, as a young child coming up in the home church in Generet, well, before he began to pastor there, um, he had a bunch of us young folks that uh, a lot of us didn't have God on our mind. And for instance, he had a whole Sunday school room, I mean, jam-packed with us. And we wasn't the easiest kids to take care of. And but he was um, he had more patience, I guess, than anyone I knew. Um, he was kind and um, he uh, would teach us and uh, put up with us. And uh, here we are today. Um, I, I could tell you some stories that's unbelievable. He was a unique man. Praise God. But there's one thing about this bishop. When I, I they, they asked, Brother Townley mentioned and asked me last evening if I would fill in for Brother, for brother Archie. I, 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 that, this is nothing new for me to fill in. <laughs> um, <laughs> praise God. And so here we are. Praise God. And, but it, it's, been a, it's been a great journey. Um, we, um, when, when, it, when it comes to uh, experiences, I am what I am today, and my wife is what she is today because of Bishop Alexander. We will forever be thankful and grateful unto him for what he placed in us. And when I thought last evening and today about this, one, a couple words that came to my mind about Brother Alexander is, number one, steadfastness. 
this man was steadfast all through his Christian walk with God. He never, ever wavered. He was unmovable in the faith. He was apostolic through and through. He preached it. He never wavered from it. It, it did not matter who liked it or who didn't like it. And Brother Gordon Alexander mentioned about Brother Alexander telling him, son, there was something going on in the service that you don't know, but I will take care of it. It just, <laughs> for some reason, it just seemed like every service had something going on in it. I mean, the devil didn't take, he did not have a chance. All he had to do was have an inkling that there was something and he took care of it. He didn't give it opportunity to fester one bit. He believed in taking care of it and nipping it in the bud. Now, he, he, had, uh, he, he did have his hands full. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. There were three of us at first in the church. There was me, there was Kenneth Ewan, and there was Harold Landry. And then came Charles. And I promise you, we kept that man praying. Hallelujah. There's some things that you didn't fool with. And one of the things you did not fool with was his hat. And I don't, you know, it, he, was, he was good about picking up. If somebody didn't want an old board, it didn't matter how many nails in it, we pulled the nails out. If there was a building program, somehow or another he had a way of finding all these boards with nails and he wanted us to pull the nails out instead of going buy a new one. And lo and behold, someone in the vicinity asked him if he wanted an old house. And of course he wanted the old house. And so they cut the old house in half and they brought it on an empty lot that the church owns right next to the, to the lot. And you guessed it. We worked hours and hours and hours on that old house. It's cheaper for us. He's concerned in building a new one. He'd rather to pull 100 nails out of a one, two by four rather than go and buy one new one. And one of, the, one of the old buildings that we had, he had an old stove. I don't know where he got the stove from, but he was having trouble trying to get the pilot light lit. And so he was on his all fours on the floor trying to light the pilot light. And Harold Landry uh, was standing up in the front of him. He was kneeling here. I was behind him. And so I goosed Harold. You know what I'm talking about. I goosed him in the side. And Harold came down with his hand right on top of Brother Alexander's hat, put his hat over his ear. He looked, he looked up at Harold and he said, boy, if that's all you have to do, get out of here. <laughs> he had his hands full. He had his hands full. We was having a barbecue one day, and after the barbecue was counting the money, and there was Kenneth and I and Harold. I don't remember if Charles was there at that point, but he was counting the money, and we kept a talking because that's what we did. We, we was kids. We, did, you know, we just had a great time. And we kept a talking, and they kept a distracting him, and he had to start over again, and he would lose count, and he'd start over again. I made the mistake. I said, you want me to count it for you? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. 
No, I can count it. You just shut up. <laughs> you know, I, I thought about all of those things. It, it was fun in a sense, but that man put something in us that no one could ever take away from us. I wonder, you know, these, these young ones that's coming up today, there's no way, Charles, they could have taken all of this stuff. Charles and I decided one way we were going to put up a tent and have a tent revival in Mermintown. And he had a tent. Brother Alexander had a tent. We talked him into loaning us the tent. And we thought, sure, it's the world that he would help us to get the tent up. But that, he, no, you do it. You want it, you put it up. And we had to put it up. Wind came, and the tent didn't stay up about three days. We had to pull it back down. But we, he put something in us. If you want something, you go out there and get it and work for it. And I thank God for that stability that he placed in us. The man is a man of God. I'm telling you, we're going to miss him. And he stood for everything that the word of the Lord stood for, and he placed it inside of us as best as he could. With fear and no favor, he loved souls, he loved people, and he'd do everything in the world that he could do for you. He loved his family. He loved Sister Alexandra dearly. I remember when we had a, there was a hurricane that came down. Um, I, I, I guess it was probably Andrew. Destroyed so much stuff down there. The one thing that Brother Alexander was concerned about is the children, his children that was living down in that part of the country. He said, I'm going to take care of my children. And I'm telling you, he did that with generators and everything that he could get his hands on. He's a man of God. He loved his family, and we're going to miss him dearly. And Sister Alexander, God's going to be with you. He's going to see you through. You're in the family and the children. As, as was said, you have a lot of great memories. Amen. And um, I, we, 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 us children, we grew up together and had a great time. I, I can remember I would put my life in, in my own hands when I would go with, with Jack and deliver newspapers out of Franklin. Lord, <laughs> hallelujah. He'd get, his, he'd get his paper route done, I'm sure, quicker than anybody else. Praise God. But um, I, love you, I love you, family members, and God bless you. If there's anything we can do to help you, please call us, and we're right there for you. Thank you, Brother Townley. God bless you. Thank you. 
seated. I guess I'll introduce all the speakers today. Um, wonderful job, Brother Borrell. Wonderful words, Brother Alexander. Brother Mike Phillips is going to come and greet us today and share some memories. Each of these men who are speaking today have special and unique relationships with Brother Alexander, but I don't know of a minister that had more respect for Brother Alexander and honored him for who he was and found inspiration from him than Elder Mike Phillips. And I don't know another minister who has been a better friend to him. Next, Brother Lyle and really Brother Phillips are the two men who have spent the, the most time with Brother Alexander here in these last 10 years of his retirement. And I give you honor for that today, Brother Mike Phillips. Thank you. He cherished every moment that you all were together. God bless you. Come greet us today. Thank you, Pastor Townley, and praise the Lord, everyone. I want to say today what a, a great honor it is to assemble here together with you today as we <clears throat> pay tribute to indeed a great man and to me personally a very a very dear friend and uh, if the family would suffer me a moment he was to me somewhat of a of a father of a father figure in fact, very much so. It was around 1980, some 34 years ago now, that Elder Alexander <coughs> walked into my life, and um, he, he, he never walked out. And unto this present moment, he's not walked out of my life. And I shall always <coughs> cherish the, the times of, of being in, in his presence, and uh, if I might say, to me, he was a man of presence. He brought, he brought presence into any setting 
that uh, he made his way into. I'll never forget that uh, square-shouldered, stately gant and walk. Wherever he went, he brought a presence. It was a presence of strength. It was a presence of courage. It was a presence of faith. When I first met Brother Alexander, I was uh, only in my mid-twenties, I guess, and he was um, in his mid-sixties as I put the numbers together. Of course, in those days when you're in your mid-twenties and another is in their mid-sixties, well, he was quite, quite old to me then. And uh, for some reason, I don't figure that way anymore. But <clears throat> I remember being in Jennings and services and uh, one particular revival. We were there, I think, for some five weeks or so and other occasions. And, of course, in those days, it was six, at least six services, seven services a week. And um, we were there in services. And I'll never forget being in the office with him prior to the service and him uh, we're having a few words and then stepping out of the office door and to the left was the pulpit and uh, what a impression it made upon me when Brother Alexander would step out of his office, I following in the church and the church would just stand, they would just stand. He didn't ask for them to stand but they, they stood. He was, he was a man of presence. The First Pentecostal Church of Jennings honored him as being a man of God and a man of presence. An expression comes to me concerning this good elder. And uh, in my estimation, he was, uh, could I say, he was a man of steel and velvet. He was a man of unwavering convictions. He was a man that believed firmly in the solid apostolic gospel message, doctrine, unwavering, truth, holiness, righteousness, separation from the world. The gospel that he found was a gospel that brings people up and out of sin. It was a gospel of deliverance, and he believed that and had strong convictions about righteousness and holiness and, and truth. And for anyone that <clears throat> had ever ministered or preached and church pastored by Brother Alexander, you, you didn't get very many services, to, well, not one service, until you knew that someone was in the pulpit. And someone had a word and was unwavering and speaking it very, very firmly. A man of steely convictions, but yet, having been in a number of services and a number of conversations with him, I found him to also, if I might say, be a man of velvet. I've seen him meet sinners in the altar. I've seen him wrap his arms around backsliders who were wayward and were making their way back to God. I've seen on that 
weathered face, warm tears, weeping for souls. I felt the strength of his compassion even in the strength of his convictions. The Apostle John tells us that he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked, even as Jesus walked. He that saith he abideth in him ought to walk even as he walked. Jesus told us how he walked. The writer Matthew records it for us so well, I believe, and the words of the Lord say it so well. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And Jesus would say, I am among you as he that, as he that serveth. Brother Alexander walked as he walked. He was among us as one who served. He served his God. He served faithfully the assemblies that he ministered to. I remember conversations, Sister Alexander, when we were together with you in your lovely home. Sister Alexander, uh, you know, at times she could kind of talk back a little and she'd say, Daddy, we need to go on vacation. We need to go somewhere. And she'd look at me and say, I can't get him out of Jennings. I can't get him out of Jennings. Well, Brother, Brother Alexander was a servant, and uh, he served his church, and he served the ministry and the cause of God. He was a, a man of humbleness, and um, in his mind, having talked with him and then comments that he made over the pulpit, I... I um, I just uh, had the sense that in his heart there was always that humbleness. He, in his spirit, was never far from that unconverted man that he one time was. And he was always in his spirit reminded, even after decades and decades and decades of living for God, in his spirit there was that humility that I'm so glad he found me, so glad he saved me. So glad I have a seat in the house of God. So glad I have an opportunity to serve the Lord. And it was um, laced in that all the way through his, his walk with God. Brother Borrell, I have a, I have a story here about, about one of his hats. And you, you kind of set me up for it. And so it makes me feel really, really good. Um, being around Elder Alexander, you know, he, he, he was a hard man to bargain with, and I say that respectfully. We, are we okay? Uh, I mean, I, I stood over his knife case and nearly cried, and I never got a knife. He pulled out his Browning gun collection, and I oohed and awed. I never got a gun. And... Um, Anybody that bartered with him, brother, he believed in buying low and selling high. You know what I mean? And uh, if he didn't get his money out of it, it'd set in the yard and rust. And, and please, I'm not being at all disrespectful. We, we loved him dearly. One day I was visiting with him out on the highway. Is it 26 or highway out here where he had his lovely home? And I was walking out the, the door, getting ready to say my goodbyes, getting ready to leave. I glanced up, and the hat rack was there, and a a refrigerator or a freezer 
and there was some hats there, some of his dress hats, and then his work hats, and and uh, just on a just on a thought, I said, Elder, I said, you need to give me one of these hats. He said, Well, there they are. Take one. That's all I needed. I snatched one up. I said, thank you. Never gave him a chance. Never gave him a chance. So I, am I a blessed man or what? I tell you, I, I, I didn't look back. I said, I sure appreciate it. And I, I took it to the car. I took it to the car. And for the last many years, it has been perched atop the coat hat rack in my office right out and open his hat. It's a little Stetson summer straw hat, well used, but it sits there and has for many years. And as I received the news Sunday morning of his passing and I stepped into the office and my eyes went up to that hat, it never meant more to me than it did last Sunday morning. I thank God for my dear friend. Sister Alexander and family, our thoughts and prayers are going to be with you in the days ahead. And let me just say, Pastor and Sister Townley and First Pentecostal Church, we thank you for being so kind to Elder Alexander during his years of retirement. Can't tell you the number of times in visiting with him that he would say, Brother and Sister Townley have been so good to me. And we salute you, Elder. We thank you. And uh, to this church, you have done so remarkably well. And in closing, I found a scripture this morning about 5 o'clock in the morning as I was pondering and wondering and thinking. Heart just flooded with so many memories. There was a man in the Old Testament, Jehoiada, the Bible said, and Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died, and 130 years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. They buried him among the kings because he had done good both toward God and toward God's house. And the wise man Solomon said, the memory of the just is blessed. It matters not where the final resting place of the body of our good elder will rest. For us who knew him and loved him, he is buried among the kings. It's a great honor to be asked to be a part today. God bless you, Elder. We'll see you in the morning. When I came into his life, 
He was getting on in years, still strong enough to work, but soft enough for tears. Eyes so full of wisdom, a heart as pure as gold, never once afraid of dying, but he dreaded growing old. known Brother Alexander for more than 50 years, and I would say there's no one that is more connected with this family and has been serving this family as he has been 
all of these years that he's been pastoring in Louisiana. And as I said earlier, Brother Alexander would tell me about the times that you, Brother Phillips, and your wives go and visit. God bless you. Thank you for the friend that you've been through the years and past few years especially. Thank you, Brother Townley, and I have come today to say goodbye again to a, an old friend. And I thought this morning, driving here, how amazing that our lives have become so uh, intertwined together. He thought I was as old as he was. I visited him a few days ago in my last visit, and we expressed our love to each other, although he was a real man, but he he, he loved. And uh, he said, well, I've known you all my life. I said, not quite. <laughs> he was 27 years old the day I discovered America. <laughs> And uh, I was 24 years old. I became the pastor at Topsy, and that was the elders' home church. And uh, one of his cousins, Brother M.C. Green, is here. At about 49 or 50, Brother Green was preaching his first sermon for Brother Jackson up at Topsy, and Brother T.C. Alexander went to hear him, and he got the Holy Ghost that night. And uh, and at 24 years old, several years later, I became the pastor there, and he would come and preach for me. His mama, Aunt Pensy, lived up at Bell little house by the railroad track. She wasn't able to come to church, and I would go and teach her the Sunday school lesson at her house. And uh, we needed to count one more in Sunday school. And so all of that uh, just, uh, boy, that's, that's precious to me. And uh, in ni around 1970, we built a new church up at Topsy, and the night we dedicated it, a young man that I had just become acquainted with, Brother Ray Majors, I asked him to to preach that night. He was one of my younger preacher friends, and Brother uh, A.L. O'Brien emceed the service, and uh, Brother Alexander loved Elder O'Brien. That was, he called him his pastor. And the three of us had some good experiences together through the years. And uh, I was looking a few day, weeks ago, my wife and I were digging through thousands of pictures, photographs we have. And I have just uh, completed writing my life story, my ministry, and my travels. And uh, we're almost ready to send it to a printer. And uh, 
we were looking for pictures. I said, honey, we, she loves pictures. I said, we can't put all of these pictures in this book. It'd be a volume of encyclopedias. But I found one of the dedication of the building, and my wife and I were standing in front of the pulpit with Brother O'Brien, Brother Majors, Brother Murray Burr, Brother Verbal Bean, and Elder Alexander with their hands on our head. I said, this one's going in the book. And uh, today, more so than ever. In 1974, I, uh, after several years at Topsy, I felt uh, after, Brother, there was a vacancy at Generette. I had never even preached at Generette. But I felt uh, something in my spirit, a restlessness, and I called the elder. And he said, boy, I'd sure hate to see you leave Topsy. You've done so good there. But he said, they sure need a pastor at Generette. And I said, well, I want to go and preach. So I met he and Sister Alexander, and they drove us down there, and uh, he showed me around, and introducement to the old folks and we preached that night and the rest is history and so he has been my uh, elder for such a long time brother alexander was uh, an old time straight shooting preacher he was a harsh trader it didn't matter how much he loved you. You made a deal with him. He was going to make some money on you. We talked often. I never could make a good deal with him. Very few times. We talked often. We talked about a lot of things. And we shared a lot of uh, stories. And through the years, and I have, uh, I pastored his daughter and his mother at Topsy. Then going uh, to Generate, I have pastored Brother and Sister Alexander's family. Brother Ronald Pinell is our church secretary. He was that when I came there and has been and still is. Brother Arlen and Brother Ronald serve on our church board. His family, their grandchildren, her mother and dad. I preached Ma's funeral. She was, I think, 99. Paul, he was well in years. Brothers and sisters, grandchildren, sons who died young. So I love this family so much. They have been and are my strongest supporters. And I'll tell you, the Alexander and the Pinell family are low-maintenance saints. I wish I could say that about all of them. Probably I'd have more brown hair than I have. But these people are low-maintenance saints. They're solid. Brother Alexander lived so long, and uh, 
He has been an icon to this family. Did you see that obituary? How many grandchildren? Seventy grandchildren. Lord, great-grandchildren, scores of them. They uh, had such a family, and he's been, Brother Sister Alexander have been such uh, uh, role models. These kids, they, they worship these old people. They love them so dearly because they, they have never never wavered in their faith. And they, they didn't make dumb, stupid decisions in life. They've been solid. Number one, they have served God. Served God above all. No family, no family has a greater model. If you grandchildren die lost, you can blame it on yourself. Because grandfather and grandmother, they left you the pattern how to live. We thought always that he would uh, live forever, but like all men, he had to go. There's an old song that I sang sometime and said, you don't have to go to heaven, but you can't stay here. You can live your life any way you want. You don't have to go to heaven. But you can't stay here. Three weeks ago, they come during Sunday night service and said the elder probably won't make it through the night. As soon as I could get loose, I told my evangelist, Brother Baker, I said, let's go to Jennings. And I was tired, but we drove to Jennings. And by the time I got there and walked in, he said, hello, elder. And he grabbed my hand with that, that grip that he had. And he said, somebody touch God for me. And the Lord let him live three more weeks, I believe. Three days later, I, I said, I'm going to see him. And I went to his bedside. And I sat with him. He was eating pancakes three days later. And I sat there with him about an hour and a half. And we talked about the old times. That's about all you can talk about, isn't it? And the old friends. And uh, we had a wonderful visit. I expressed my appreciation to him, and he did to me. And uh, that was my last visit with him. I uh, look back over the last 18 months. I could get very emotional. I have lost so many dear friends, uh, men that I roam the world with ramble with, that I preached shoulder to shoulder with, and had a lot of laughs and a lot of good times. Uh, they have left, and they left a big hole in my heart. And uh, this old elder today, I cherish him. My fellowship and him his eldership in my life. Brother Alexander was a good pastor. He loved Jennings. He loved the sheep. He never did go very far, but he always kept an Avion travel trailer and a nice motorhome at the back door. You'd have drove up, you said, man, he's a traveling man. I said, he's not going anywhere. 
He'd go to Viator to the count meeting, but midweek service he drove back home. He wanted to be sure and collect the tithes that night. I loved to kid him. He was, he was great. He was great. Amen. But I close with this. Of all of the good things that the elder did, the greatest thing in his legacy, he, uh, he looked and he had enough foresight he chose a fine young man to succeed him. He schooled him. <laughs> he didn't always make it easy on him. He trained him. He tested him. Brother Townley, you passed the test. And these folks, you proved yourself to this congregation that you love them. And you always honored your elder. And he, he saw a young man, and he wasn't wrong, and Brother James Townley, with the heart of a shepherd. Jennings, you're blessed. First Pentecostal Church, you have been blessed with a great, great elder. And God gave you a wonderful pastor with class, with dignity, and with respect. And he believes this old-time apostolic message. Amen. You're blessed. Heaven is, is a sweeter place today. Amen. And we've got the journey to make. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this service today. I didn't know if I could introduce her after that. <laughs> but this is Brother Alexander's granddaughter. And uh, through the years for special occasions uh, at the church, she would always write a poem, um, whether it was for uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, anniversaries, uh, just any special occasion, she would write poems. And she has written one for today. And so we would like for Lauren to read this. A quick uh, preface before I read it. Papa, anybody that knew Papa knew that he wasn't a man of uh, empty flattery. He didn't say things just to tickle your ears or say what you what he thought you you know you wanted to hear. If he said it, he meant it, and if he believed it, he believed it. And he told me years ago that. He believed I was going to make it to the top. And when Papa tells you something like that, you don't, it's not something you forget. And uh, several times through since then, I've remembered him saying that I was going to make it to the top. So this poem is in honor of Papa. He was a friend to many, a hero in our eyes, a man of great integrity whose spirit never dies. Hours spent in fervent prayer, although we could not see. 
He gave to us wholeheartedly. He gave unselfishly. Love that kept us grounded, wings that helped us soar. Teacher, helper, mentor, friend, all this and so much more. His legacy is with us. He's here in every way. He isn't gone forever. He simply passed away. He passed away from burdens. He passed away from pain. He passed away from heartache. He'll never more complain. He passed away from trials. He passed to sweet release. He passed away to comfort. He rests in tender peace. He passed away to dancing. He passed to that sweet shore. He passed away to streets of gold and life forevermore. Although our hearts are broken, our lives feel incomplete, we know our soldier made it home, his victory so sweet. The memories will flood us. The tears may not soon stop, but our hero, he's smiling now. He made it to the top.
Jesus of the cross, singing out the grand old story, Jesus saves the lost. think those guys could get them a bus. What about you? Beautiful singing. Thank you for all. Uh, they probably feel like getting a bus after some Sundays, but thank you for uh, all of you for all that you have said and done. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Definitely for the last little while, I've been shedding a lot of tears. Been doing pretty good for the past two or three days. And uh, I'm, I'm one of these guys that when I cry, I cry big. And so it's, it's not easy to just let it out because when I do, it's, it's big. So I was sure talking to the Lord a little bit ago and saying, would you help me, Lord, get it out <laughs> so I can say what I need to say today. And he has been gracious. And so let me uh, say that I certainly appreciate all your prayers, not just for me personally. I know there's been a lot of prayers for me personally uh, because I've, I've had the privilege of having the strength of the elder uh, for the past 10 years and now as I've learned to live without him I'm going to have to learn to live without him did I say that right as I've learned to live with him now I'm going to have to learn to live without him and uh, this I know the Bible says that when my father and my mother forsake me the Lord will take me up and I'm confident today that as God has chosen the perfect time to take our elder as a spiritual father in the Lord, that the Lord is going to make up the difference and give sustaining grace for the accomplishment of his will, leading this congregation here in Jennings forward for the glory of the Lord. So thank you for your prayers for me personally. The past few days I have felt the peace and the strength of God. I greatly appreciate it. To all the ministering brethren here today, let me say that I honor you, I respect you, and I appreciate you highly. Thank all of you for being my friends. You mean so much to me. Uh, to Sister Alexander, I love you and appreciate you very, very much. And um, to the extended family, thank you for the relationship that we share and uh, 
the kindness that you have shown to me through the years as we have become acquainted. I have a reading today before I get to the word of the Lord um, that I was asked to read. And it was written by Brother Alexander's grandson, Joel Alexander, simply entitled Home. It says, A hush falls over the assembly. The preparations had all been made. The final touches were just completed. The host of heaven stands at the balconies of glory. The crowd straining to see. Quiet whispers dart through the room. Suddenly, all in attendance snap to attention. As the king of kings enters the room, accompanied by the legend. This morning around 8 a.m., the legend, Reverend T.C. Alexander, made it home. I thought of all of the things that make Brother Alexander an outstanding man, minister, individual. His legacy will be that he finished strong. He finished well. And he has now gone into what we would call the hall of faith among those of Abel that, like Abel, than that he is dead, yet speaketh. With the father of the faithful as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the apostle Paul, he can also say, along with the Apostle Paul, Brother Alexander can, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And I have finished my course. He didn't just start well. He finished well. So again, before I get to the word of the Lord, there's one more thing we're going to do. <clears throat> And that is, almost every Sunday morning, almost every Sunday morning, before Alec, Brother Alexander would begin his message, he would start and he would sing, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour, I need thee. And so if you would just allow me for just a little bit, I'd like to have us just join in that chorus. He'd have them hit the key of F. And he would lead and sing it, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I
wonder if I could have all of the ministers in the building. Would you please stand at this time? All of the ministers in the building. We want to honor you today. Reverend T.C. Alexander's friends, thank you for being here. And I just wonder, will you, will you sing with me today? Would you just help me sing this chorus? Would you mind? Just sing with me. Sing, I need thee, O Lord. I need thee. Would you join with me? Let's do it together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. I can't hardly sing that song at our church without following up with these words. Not only do we need him, and he wants us to recognize our need of him, speaking of the Lord, but... He wants us to know that he is here and that he is near. Not only do we need him, he wants us to know he is present and his strength is readily available to supply whatever needs we have in our lives. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, the writer penned these words, and what shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also. I think that's quite a list if they're just saying, and David also. And Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. I could stop right here and say, I wonder how many wonderful, miraculous, and powerful things happened through the faith of this great elder that we are honoring today. Hebrews 11.34 goes on to say, Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured. I don't know that Elder Alexander ever suffered physically in that he was attacked for preaching the gospel 
I know he told me about there were moments that he was threatened, but he, do, he did know what it was like to have his car egged for preaching the gospel. He said shortly after he moved here, someone just egged his car. The Bible says, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the edge of the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. To put it in our language, he drove a suburban, a Chevy, a Lincoln, lived in a brick home. But it didn't matter where they lived, what they drove, what they rode. The world was not worthy of them. And I would say today that is just basically the message that I have. And the thought that I want to leave with you today, that is, in the life and the ministry of Reverend T.C. Alexander, we knew a man of whom this world was not worthy. Reverend T.C. Alexander was born during World War I. Mr. Woodrow Wilson was president. There's been 16 presidents since then. The rural area where he was from was still in the horse and buggy days. He told me his father was the first man or individual to own a motorized vehicle in his community. Before he graduated from the 12th grade, he owned a home and 10 acres. His family owned a farm where they raised cattle and they trained bird dogs. And they broke and trained wild horses. Brother Alexander used to earn money from breaking and training wild horses. I listened to a few audio clips of, of in the past week of Brother Alexander speaking, and I heard him tell of a, a story, an event that happened where once he was riding a horse and he fell off, and as he was falling, his foot got hung in the stirrup. He said he really thought he was going to lose his life that day. And as he was hung there in the stirrup, he called on the Lord. And God so graciously and mercifully made it possible for him to escape and to continue living. Reverend Titus Alexander talked to me many times of the influence of his godly mother that Brother Lyle alluded to earlier. I remember him saying that the worst whippings he ever got 
was when he would come home late at night. He wasn't serving the Lord at that time. He would come in late at night into the house and he would hear his mother down on her knees calling his name out before the Lord, interceding for his soul and that God would turn him around. He told me, he told me that he, he gained his degree from seminary, from PST University, the pine sapling thicket. And he told me he, he gained his spiritual understanding from neology. I'm just saying a few things today to let you know that Brother Alexander was really larger than life. What God allowed him to experience, there's not a whole lot of people in this world get to experience all that this wonderful man was able to experience. I mean, he stood tall. Literally, he was 6'1". And as was already stated, he had a stately disposition about him. He was unique in so, so many different ways. Just the fact that he lived to be 97 years old makes him very, very unique. But just looking at his physical stature and thinking about how that he had such a long life, physical appearance and longevity is, is not just what makes this man stand tall. But he was a man of great character. I would say he was a man of enormous character. And he was a man of strong conviction. And he had deep consecration. He was certainly a man that this world is not worthy of. He was not comfortable down here. As a matter of fact, there's a saying I've picked up that I share as I preach periodically. That is his words where he would say, Stand back, O world. I don't want anything you have to offer. And God knows in this generation we need more people that will fall out of love with the world and fall in love with Jesus and not just get caught up in living down here but make preparations for a great eternal home in heaven. I want to be ready to meet the Lord. How about you? I can tell you this today. I've never met a more conscientious man who was committed to being rapture ready than Reverend Titus Alexander. And I would say today, as he is and was a man that this world was not worthy of, he's a man that feels right at home in heaven. Brother Alexander loved his family. He loved his wonderful wife. Sister Alexander, I know that it is very hard today experiencing the loss of your husband. But all of us who were close to him know that he would rather the Lord take him than for him to live without you. He loved you. And thank you for the beautiful 
faithful, supportive wife that you have been all through these years. I wonder how many pots of gumbo you've fed preachers through the years. She said she never dreamed that she would be a preacher's wife. She never expected it. But after she lost her first husband and he lost his wife, they married in their 40s. And just a year or two back, we were able to celebrate with them their 50th wedding anniversary. That's beautiful. Very few marriages make it to 50 years, much less a second marriage that begins in the 40s. What a strong team brother and sister Alexander have been down through the years. To the family, let me say that Elder T.C. Alexander and Sister Mabel Alexander has been your anchor to God. That's how you became acquainted with God. They've been your inspiration to serve the Lord. They've been your anchor to God. They've been your tether rope. And I'm here to tell you today, God is cutting the cords. And I want to encourage you to get a hold of God for yourself. The Bible teaches us that we ought to feel after God. If happily we might find him and find that he is not far from any one of us. You may feel a long ways from God today, but I'm telling you just a little bit of reaching out to the Lord. You'll find he's not very far from you. I think about how that when Moses saw the burning bush and it caught his attention. He said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. As he turned aside, just, it caught his attention. This is not normal. And he turned to look at it. The Bible said the Lord spoke to him out of that bush. You would be surprised what just a little turning aside to the Lord will do for you. You'll find the Lord is not far from you. Turn to God in faith. Repent of your sins. Ask God to cleanse your heart. Wash your mind. Ask God to forgive you, pardon you, to release you of all of your guilty sins. If you haven't been, be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ in accordance to the scriptures and the word of God and allow God to graciously baptize you with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. If you've wandered from the Lord today, stop wandering away. Let this service be a turning point that'll bring you back home. I feel the Lord right now in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shortly after I came to Jennings,
working as Brother Alexander's assistant, there's five principal truths that I picked up from Brother Alexander's ministry. It became very apparent to me. And, and these truths, in my opinion, are what made him the success that he was and developed the great church here in Jennings that God helped develop through him. And I believe these truths today could be of benefit to each and every one of us, whoever we are. Whoever, whatever lot we find ourselves in life. Number one, Brother Alexander taught the preeminence of the Word of God in all things. If the Word said it, it was settled. I wonder how many times through the years I heard him quote the Scripture found in Psalms 138 in verse 2, Thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. He taught that the word of God was the ultimate and final authority to every subject that it addressed. And he believed in the inerrancy of the word of God. He taught that the Bible was the book that we should believe and live by. I remember hearing him talk about the time when he was a youth leader in Generette. And he told me, he said, well, in his own ways, whatever, that they had some young people like you were talking about. Had some young people that needed the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they needed Jesus. <laughs> and so what he purposed to do and the way to get them to the Lord he established a Bible reading plan. And those young people began to read their Bible. And he said it wasn't very long till they all had been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He believed in the power and the preeminence of the Word of God. He just believed that God would do a tremendous work if you'd just take a little time and read the word of God. Not only did he preach and teach the preeminence of the word of God, he did so with an emphasis on doctrine. He taught the oneness of God. And from the scriptures, he declared that according to the word of God, there was only one eternal spirit and that there was one God, one Father that created us all. He would just proclaim service after service, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, and what a long ministry he had. He preached for some 56 to 57 years. He worked 16 years as an assistant, whether it was youth department, whatever, and then he worked 40 years as a pastor. He pastored 34 years here in Jennings, and then prior to that, he pastored in Generette, and then while he was pastoring in Generette, he pastored a second church in Brobridge. Kind of half and half. Sister Alexander half that up. 
I always joke with her about that. She's always uncomfortable about having taught Sunday school. But there were some services that uh, Brother Alexander weren't, wasn't able to go to, and Sister Alexander would go and teach Sunday school or teach on Thursday nights. And even here in Jennings, there was times that there was people uh, that attended the church here in Jennings that their first and only language was French. They didn't even know English. They were only French-speaking people. And while Brother Alexander would preach, Sister Alexander would be an interpreter, and they would work together and uh, minister to the needs of the people, whatever it was. But I wonder, I wonder how many times, Sister Alexander, while y'all were tag-teaming, did Brother Alexander say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I, I wonder how many times he would say along with you, One Lord one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. I wonder how many times in his ministry did he read from 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. He preached the new birth message. He'd quote John chapter 3 and verse 3 where the Lord Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he'd follow it up with John 3 and 5, saying, except a man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Brother Alexander believed that the consummation or the completion of biblical salvation results only after having, number one, faith in God, our faith towards God, number two, repentance from our sins, being baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the glorious infilling of the Holy Ghost. He gave forth a clear note and a certain sound. And today, one more time in this service and in his honor, we want to give a clarion call. We want to sound forth a clear note and certain sound and let every person know in this place that if you have not been born again of water and of spirit, there is a gracious, life-changing experience from the Lord for you. If you want to be saved, rapture ready, make it to heaven, God has given us a glorious gospel and plan and wonderful way that we could all be born again. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Brother Alexander wouldn't stop there, though, would he? He would go on to say, For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And you know what? He wouldn't stop there. He'd go on and say, and with many other words, 
did he testify and exhort saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. To me, if Brother Alexander had a song as his motto, it would be this. If Jesus said it, I believe it. His word cannot lie. If it's written in the Bible, I'll believe it till I die. And though the mountains be removed and cast into the sea, God's word will last forever throughout all eternity. Number two, Brother Alexander gave a clear sense of what was right and what was wrong. Now listen, I'm not going to take as long on all my points as I just did that one, so be encouraged. <laughs> I could really go somewhere I shouldn't go right now. <laughs> but I guess I could be a little bit like the elder today and take my time if I wanted to. <laughs> I don't know how many messages he preached in the service. I've heard as many as 11. And Brother Alexander, uh, uh, Sister Alexander said yesterday he'd preach all day. <laughs> I figured it up yesterday that it's a great possibility Brother Alexander preached 6,500 messages in his lifetime. Just a conservative figure, 6,500. There's no way, that's what we were kind of laughing about. There's no way that we could let you know how many hours that would have been uh, because there was no consistency. He did whatever it took to keep the church on fire, marching forward. Brother Alexander was a gift to the First Pentecostal Church of Jennings. He was a gift in this way. More than just he was a faithful man. But when you consider the history of the First Pentecostal Church of Jennings, you will learn that many preachers came in and out through the years. Sister Seaman, who was our longest standing member for many years, she attended in the 50s and she passed away a few years ago, just maybe two or three. I went to visit her when she was about to turn 95. That's why I moved to Jennings. I'm going to live as long as I can. But when she, she was about to turn 95, she looked at me and she said, I thank the Lord's let me know I'm fixing to go home. She said, I just feel like at my birthday, the Lord said, all right, You've lived long enough. You're going home. And she did, just very shortly after her birthday. There was a time in the history of our church that there was only two members, and it was Willie and Virgie Seaman. Two people. They had no pastor. Pastors were coming and going. The church here started in the 40s. She said she remembered one night the pastor just moved in the middle of the night, didn't tell anybody. She got up the next day. There was no pastor for their church. Gone. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you ever felt like doing that. <laughs> but brother and sister Seaman, with no pastor, would gather together in the sanctuary and they would pray. They'd open up the songbook and they would sing. And they paid the bills. And today, there's a church alive. Yeah. 
And when Brother Alexander came to Jennings, he loved Brother and Sister Seaman so, so very much. And uh, when he came, he came and stayed for 34 years. And he preached the word of God. And he stood faithful. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Alexander handed to me not just a good foundation. Brother Alexander handed me a full-grown church. A church that was strong. And it was a strong church because he preached the preeminence of the Word of God. And number two, he taught the saints a clear sense of what was right and what was wrong. As the priests were commanded in the Old Testament, Brother Alexander fulfilled in the New Testament in that he showed the difference between the holy and the profane. I was thinking about something Brother, Brother McDaniel told me one time. He told me, he said, I was a young pastor just starting and I said, God, would you show the people their sins? Would you show the people what they're doing wrong? And he said, the Lord just spoke to me, Isaiah chapter 58, where the Lord said, cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Brother Alexander was that kind of man. He was a man that would lift up his voice like a trumpet and he would give that clear note of what was right and what was wrong and he would show the people their transgressions. As I browse through Brother Alexander's Bibles the other day. I'm going to get a gun and a Bible. I had to ask for the Bible. So, I'm blessed. But he looked at me. He's a man of his word. He looked at me the other day. He said, listen, now, I, I, I think I told my son, but he said, I told you I was going to give you this certain pistol. And I haven't given it to you yet, but you're going to get it. And he said, a minister gave that to me, and all he asked of me was that I pass it to another minister. And I'm just doing what he asked me to do. And all I'm asking you to do is you pass it to another preacher. He's a man that gave his word and kept his word. And so when I was looking through his Bibles, trying to figure out, because he told me I could choose the one I wanted, I just wanted to browse through a few of them. This is one of them today, and this is probably the one I'm going to keep. And we're going to pass it on to whoever becomes pastor behind me one of these days. As I was reading, not in this Bible, but in one of the others, he put these words, he wrote these words in the front of the Bible. It said, sin will keep you from me. And then in quotes, this book, sin will keep you from me. And this book will keep you from sin. I'm saying he gave a clear sense of what was right and what was wrong. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Number three, Brother Alexander believed in the moving of the Spirit and the operation of spiritual gifts within the church. Brother Alexander believed that it was important for the Holy Ghost to work in the congregation for the church to have life. 
He encouraged spontaneous worship, but he had no tolerance for spiritual foolishness. He believed, he believed that people should have a zeal according to knowledge. He always taught the people, pray, get in the Spirit, let the Holy Ghost move in you, let the Spirit of the Lord work through you, let God use you. And he instructed them, he said, don't you worry about things getting out of hand. Don't you worry about wildfire. He said, I got a wet blanket that's big enough to take care of anything. You don't worry about it. You just get in the Spirit and you let the Spirit of the Lord move and work. I don't know another man that had a keener sense of discernment in the spirit. He could read spirits. And don't ever doubt, he knew the fear of God's coming on some of you right now. Just me saying it. He knew the people he encountered. And he knew the spiritual condition of those that walked in the doors of the church where he pastored. He had spiritual eyes that could see and he was a man that wouldn't close them nor would he close his mouth but he would say what he saw and he would preach the gospel and reach the lost to put it in the words of a local a local businessman told me this week he said being with brother alexander when you were with him he said you were like you were with god there's something about Brother Alexander he could see. He could sense. The Spirit of God was upon him and with him. He was a strong man spiritually. Number four, Brother Alexander always kept the reality of eternity in front of the saints of God. He made it clear that there was a heaven. And he made it clear that there was a hell. And he made it clear that we would all choose where we would go. Nobody else. But we would all stand for ourselves before the judgment seat of God and give account for the things that we have done in our body. He admonished the congregation again and again and again through the years. Make your decisions in light of eternity. He made it clear that it was the will of God that not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he would just admonish, sinner, backslider, come home. Make preparations. The Lord's coming back. He'd preach, be ready, because we don't know the day nor the hour that the Son of Man will appear. He'd say, take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. Lastly, everybody say, praise God. Brother Alexander was always soul conscious. Isaiah 55 and 6, Seek ye the Lord, while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will, he will 
have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I wonder how many times we heard Brother Alexander say, the greatest thing that could happen in this service tonight is that someone would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I wonder how many of the family members that passed through Brother Alexander's room past three weeks, did he look at you and say, be ready. You were there to tell him you loved him. You were there to tell him you appreciated him. And he was grateful. But nothing was more important to him than you knowing your soul meant more to him than anything. And he wanted to see you again one day. He'd tell you, don't, don't wait too late. I want to see you over there. Brother Alexander was like this at church. He was, he was like the prodigal's father, always looking and expecting his children, wayward saints. He was always looking and expecting them to come home. I could tell you today all that Brother Alexander thought and said, his love for souls, but I think the best way I could conclude this service today is just give you a short clip and let you hear in your own life the words of the elder. Last but not least, in my heart, we have real me in front of this pulpit to preach my funeral. If somebody wants the Holy Ghost, roll that old box away and let, let them come to God and be born again in, in Jesus because that is more important than an old dead carpet. I thank God for my family <coughs> and every one of them that I love. Those that are lost, I believe in it. God's going to bring them through. I love every one of you. I want to see every one of you saved. I want to see everyone in your family saved. I want to see the ones in my family. I told the devil here several years ago, I said, devil, I'm not going to give you one of my children. I'm going to keep them. Some of them are not living for God. But before it's all over with, I believe that God is going to answer my prayer. Because I said, Lord, if you don't, if they can't live, won't live for you, take them while they got the Holy Ghost. I'd rather give them up now than to see them in the lake of fire. There's friends here that I want you to know, I thank God for you for being a friend to me. I'm not much, but of what I am. Thank God. I see some young people here. And I baptize in Jesus' name. Come on home. Come on home. Come on home. Come on home.
you got a place to refuge. Praise God. Praise God. We cannot close this service today without giving someone an opportunity to come home. It's a good time to be restored in the Lord today. Find mercy and grace in the presence of the Lord. close today we pray that you would reach down and lay your hand upon this family we thank you God for what you're doing right now in every heart that's in this congregation we thank you Lord for the respect that each of us have in our hearts for this great elder that you gave to us and let that respect result in a stronger greater relationship with you. I pray, God, that as we close this service and depart from this place, you 
keep us safe as we travel, as we bring him to his final resting place. Show this family grace and favor, Lord. Draw near to every lost soul. Bring them to complete salvation and restoration, forgiveness and the Holy Ghost joy. Do it all for your glory. Take this service and use it for your praise and your honor. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. We're going to turn this service over to our funeral directors at this time. You can remain standing. All the family can be seated. Thank you, Mr. Matthews. God bless you. In preparing for our journey to the cemetery at the Creole Cemetery, we'd like to thank all the friends and relatives on behalf of the family for being here to support the family. We also want to thank all the ministers that were able to come out today to support the family. Gentlemen, we'd like to thank y'all. And also we'd like to thank the beautiful music that everybody has, all the ones that have participated in the music. Thank y'all for doing that for the family. At this time, friends and relatives, we'd like for y'all to exit the building. Y'all gonna go to the cars. south side of the building, heading out towards the highway. We're going to be going on Highway 26 to 190 in Elton and to the cemetery. So those of you would like to, we'd like for y'all to go.